What you doing there, babe? I'm waiting for you. What are you doing? Okay, we're starting. We're starting. <laughs> Don't you're not recording, are you? I am. Damn you. <laughs> Hi everybody. <laughs> starting over. My wife is looking at me like she wants to kill me, but she's also smiling, so that's good. You could kill people with a smile. <laughs> Sociopaths if, do it every day. If 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 you could kill people with a smile, I'd be dead. Over and over. Episode three, babe. Can you believe it? Welcome to episode three of The Swirl. With Bree and Dave. With Bree and Dave. I'm Dave. And I'm Bree. And we're the swirl with Bree and Dave. Um, babe. Yes. Uh, big event this week. <laughs> big, big event. And I feel like we should just start with it just like so the kids can know what's coming up when the day comes when we are an actual legitimate podcast with like technicians and engineers in a studio. You ready? Yeah. You ready to unleash the theme? It's time. Here we go. This is the theme, babe. <laughs> the swirl with Free and Dave. Welcome to the Throw with Brie and Dave. I'm Dave. And I'm Brie. And this is the Throw with Brie and Dave, where we talk about all kinds of things. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about current events. We're going to talk about... Uh, I don't know. Whatever's on our heart. We're going to be talking about <laughs> being a swirly couple in the midst of a pandemic in New York City. Oh, okay. Do you want me to bring out that script? No, no, no. We're going to do that later. Um, so that's the theme. What do you guys think? The kids have been so watching So my thing was listening. I wanted to let people just listen to it without like speaking over it oh. because they're going to hear speaking over it every week yeah that's gonna be our intro guys yeah. um but david clearly was doing something else and i never know what he's doing because we don't talk before we do this podcast <laughs> we just jump into it yeah so, and he gets very excited and he likes to over explain so yeah that was our theme if you even heard it but mm. that but my over explaining things is really what brought us together i mean let's let's get real oh oh which brings us to the topic you wanted to actually talk about this week so so babe how are you first of all i'm exhausted so tell us what you've been doing this week without getting into any details you can't actually divulge because i know you know it's like business related if i tell you you know you have, what i'm gonna have to do smile um so this week i am one of the very few people that's working on an equity contract right now yeah which means that uh we are now fully doing musicals over zoom r.i.p how do you feel about doing musicals over zoom I, actually, I can tell you how i feel about it but how do you feel about it i actually don't mind it um it's just there's nothing like being in the room with with theater people you know so none of that magic is there um as much as you want you, you you can have your little breakout lunchroom, but it doesn't feel the same. Um, it's just difficult. But 
the great thing about it is you can you do your your parts and you just record them and then you visually record them and then that's it because they are basically editing so it's like a television show or a movie in that they're going to edit this thing into what looks like a final presentation um which is really cool i think but you can't talk about who it is, what it is, any of that stuff. I can't it's all talk about any of that, but all you need to know is <laughs> I'm in rehearsal from 12 to 7 every day, which means I'm in the bedroom, <clears throat> set up with lighting equipment and a background and a mic that was all sent to me because the producers have a budget for this thing. And so they've sent everybody in the cast all the basically the same materials so we can all record from the same place. Um, so I'm in the bedroom for several hours a day, singing to myself, talking to people, um, muting myself. The mute button, I mean, Thank wow. God for the mute button. Oh, y'all. And I also upgraded <laughs> to Zoom Pro. Okay. I, I am paying for Zoom wow. now. Wow, I didn't know this. I did because I was like, this is a business um, thing now. Yeah, that's where we are. That's where I, we are. I'm I'm just every time I see one of these Zoom things, and there's some of them are actually they're getting really well done. The whole thing just makes me really just ultimately sad because it's yeah. I I don't want it to become normalized as theater. It's not theater. It's not, I don't for think me. It will it's ever nothing be. to do with theater, and we've got to just I, I, I let's take this time because it's gonna be time, and let's let's work on our shit and let's make it as good as we can. So that when we come back, everything is at a high state of polish and gloss and gleam. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we can get back into a room with actual people who can, you know, Yes, but let's also do things, like, let's do good stuff. Like, <laughs> Well, how about that as always? Just yeah, like a all, role. it's always, but like, especially in the midst of a pandemic and like social unrest. Like, let's only put out material that like we need, like, as a humanity. What do we need right now? That is true. That yeah, what do we need question. right now? Now, sometimes what we need might be some, you know, relief. Some from, candy, some bubble gum. We might some, need some yeah. candy and bubble gum. And that's I totally like fine, but like make it, yeah, whatever. But like make it well. Make it with good ingredients Mm-mm. so it all sticks together. Is Mm-mm. there enough egg or gnaw? You got to have egg, babe. Egg or gnaw? You, you got to have the egg. So the big thing you wanted to talk about this week, as I recall, when you were getting back from the kids... <laughs> Yes. Was. Do you remember? <laughs> yes, it was. People want to know how we met. That's it. Okay, so I just got Garage Band has detected feedback. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm to turn this down a little bit. Okay. Okay, so we want to talk about how we met because I know a lot of you are like, how did that young, mm, beautiful, yes. successful, no idea. black woman. How did it happen, Lord? End up. With that old ass man, he's and- <laughs> so old. We're, we're we're clipping again or hamburgering. That's I've just learned. Yes, hamburgering. It's called hamburgering when on you the, get on too the machine. loud. Yeah. Um. Sorry, that was me. Yeah, but how did it happen, babe? Um. So first of all, David is not old ass. He's fifty-seven. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Well, when we met, I was a I was a mere the, uh, stripling 50, of fifty-three, two or fifty-three. Yeah, fifty-two. Yeah. I think. Um. Yeah, 52. So uh, here's how it happened. I was in Japan. (laughs) And we had become Facebook friends before that because... Well, that's because I had... So I had written Motown the Musical with with Barry Gordy and Dick Scanlon. Everyone knows 
who wrote Motown. Okay, okay. sure. Do they though, babe? Do if they? If you not? don't know who Barry Gordy is, oh, okay. actually get to your nearest interwebs. Um, and we had mutual friends as a result. Um, Brianna had never graced the stages of Motown the Musical in any of its incarnations, but I started to see her on Facebook, and she was just so funny and so smart. And you were a fan already. And I was already a fan. I was already actually a very intimidated fan, frankly. I mean, I'd seen her in Porgy and Bess, which is probably my favorite musical and she slayed it. She she slayed. My man's gone now. It's it's, it's always one of those moments, and like it comes up in the like the first third of Act One, and and it's it's just like, is the musical ever going to reach these heights again? Um, and it almost you know well it kind of does. It's an incredible show, but she just just slayed it. I never got over that. And then before that, I knew her from. Um, the ragtime revival that she came out at the end of act one and sang uh till we reach that day and i just like oh this brianna marie parham oh my god yeah. go babe go no I, that's my Laura. i'm sure <laughs> so i was already like a huge fan and and just really just kind of you know she was a legend for me because that's what happens <laughs> no when you when you when you take on those uh those iconic moments in these great musicals on broadway um, and you slay them, then you know you you kind of you you get elevated. At least in my mind, and I think in a lot of minds of, of Broadway stands, you get elevated into a sort of a pantheon. And um, so, stalker from, fans, stalker fans. If you don't know what a stand is, people, it's it's stalker <laughs> fan together. And that's that. Would so be when me. someone says I stand you, they're like I stalker fan you. Um, so <laughs> I think our audience knows that, but that's just me. Um, I don't know. No, actually, they don't, because we have people listening that a lot are friends of friends who are just regular people. They're not theater people. <laughs> well, you know how well we learned what what is what Stan was during the falsettos tour when you were on the falsettos yes, tour, and you had people... because I had the most amazing falsettos fans who would say that to me, and I literally had to Instagram somebody and go, "So, like, what does that mean?" Because <laughs> I'm an old woman. Um. Anyway, back to the story. So David was a fan, and so um, then one. So then I friended her on Facebook because I thought, well, yes. Why so not? the story is, and let me just, I'll just say it. You go from um, The story is, I came back from Japan. I had spent two months in Japan doing the very out of town tryout of Prince of Broadway. And I came back and I, my things were in storage because I had moved out of my Heights apartment. I didn't know where I was going yet. I knew I was going to be subletting um, in Eric Lawan's place, who is an amazing actor and he's uh, since passed on, but that was my bro. Anyway, I was going to stay in his place for a month and do a reading or uh, what do they call that when you do a month long workshop? workshop? Yeah, workshop. Or a lab. It was a lab. Mm. That's what it was. And we are not lab rats, P.S. Um, that so, was a hashtag. We'll talk about it another time <laughs> when we're having our labor discussion. Yes. Okay. So I was back and I was I got a hotel in Midtown. Actually, the guy I was dating got a hotel in Midtown um, so that I would be close to like the theater world. So I was down at the, at the Rowe Hotel on 45th. Some of you may know it. And I had jet lag. So I was up at like five in the morning, four or five in the morning, just like pacing my room, waiting for the donut shop to open because there is a donut shop called Doe downstairs. So I get on Facebook and I got this DM from David being like, Well, I saw you up. You had posted something about how you were, you know, an insomniac 
you know, yeah. because you'd just gotten back from Japan. And I thought, well, you know, faint heart never won fair lady. Saying. Here we go with this saying, Lord Jesus. He always say this saying. So I just DM'd her at 5.30 and I said in the morning, because I was up because I'm a writer and I have stupid hours. And I was, what I realized was that she had she had pinned her location essentially by saying she was at Rowan and wanted to go to Joe. She had checked in. And that was five blocks from my apartment. Um, Cause I was at, at the time. Uh, at, Don't uh, give you an address. Uh, no, it's where I was at the time, not where I am now, but I was at like 50th and 8th <laughs> Avenue. So she was at 45th and 8th and I was at 50th and 8th. So I DM'd her something. I don't witty. Know, something witty, I guess. And she responded with something equally witty. And it's 5.30 in the morning, mind you. And, and she's just, uh, you know, every bit is funny and sparkling and bright, mm-hmm. you know, at 5.30 in the morning. And as she is on all of her posts. And what followed was this um, kind of incredibly sparkly, bantery, hilarious conversation between the two of us at least we thought it was um and it was it was just really this special moment and then I suited up and went down to the donut shop at like whatever 6 7 she had already gone and so I posted a photo of myself um there it is um this is what he said well we both enjoy insomnia and hunger cravings hashtag so much in common (laughs) hashtag there is a second donut out of frame um because he took a photo with a a really good looking donut that i'm looking at right now and coffee come back um and then he said i have a 10 30 session with my personal trainer hashtag no joke he was very into hashtags well and you know, it was just. I, I think I meant them ironically. I think I was doing the hashtagging ironically. But. You did a lot of them as I scroll. Okay. But anyway, um, so then I had put on Facebook. So we had a great conversation. Then I put on Facebook. Wait, wait, you're getting way ahead of yourself though, because well, later I that hurry afternoon. Up with the story. No, no, because later that <laughs> afternoon, remember? Oh, later. He he always says it's a big deal. Later that later that evening, actually, I was going to drinks for between show drinks with um, um, uh, one of the cast members of Les Mis, and we were at Glasshouse Tavern, which is sort of like a staple for theater people because uh, it's like a great pre-post show moment and it's on 47th in the theater district so I was sitting there and he walked into glass house and he walked up to me and said Brianna Marie Parham of course it's you now I couldn't believe it I was walking into this place and there was this woman that I had never actually not really met in person now you have to also understand that the name Brianna Marie Parham is a minefield of potential <laughs> errors. You can really what go do you wrong. B R Y O N H A Marie. That one's easy. And then Parham P A R H A M. So is it going to be Brianna? Is it going to be Brion? Ha! What's it going to be? And I knew I had to utter the name right then on the spot. And I knew. We'd had this incredible conversation in the morning, and by happenstance, here we were in the afternoon, and I could blow it if I got the name wrong. And babe, did I ace the name? Yeah, you did great, but it's 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 crazy to me because I'm like, yeah, all them all the times you were a fan of mine, you didn't know how to pronounce my name. I think a lot of people just look at your name and they go, oh, 
um, <laughs> how, am I, how am I gonna say this? So that's so rude, and that's probably why I'm not where I want to be. Oh, okay, come on. anyway. <laughs> um, but Goldsmith is easy, really, really easy. Yeah, well, nobody knows me by Goldsmith. Not yet. Um, <sighs> so, um, anyway, so that worked out. And then I was also, just just parenthetically, I was on my way to another meeting at the Glass House Tavern. If, you, if you've ever been there, you go through the dining room, and then you go up the stairs, and there's another dining area. And then up again, and there's another set of stairs. Yes, so the point is, he was in a very loud suit and a bow tie. <laughs> and after he walked away, my friend goes, oh, he's gay, right? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, because in musical theater, we're, we're gay until proven straight. Yes. So flash forward to, obviously, I it's like top of January when I came. I came back at the, at the end of December, and I went home to Kansas City. But this is the top of January, which means it's getting close to my birthday. So I put on Facebook, as you do, who's taking me to see the color purple and for my birthday? And he messaged me directly and said... Um, I have bought two house seats for the color purple on the night of your birthday. And I was like, okay, thank you very much. <laughs> so I didn't really know David. I hadn't spent any time with him. I just knew he was funny on, on uh, online. But I, I resolved to spend my, what, 31st birthday with him um, alone to go see a show and go to dinner. And we had a great time. Um, I didn't think that it was anything romantic at the time. So when he went in for the kiss after the show, I gave him that good cheek moment because I was like, what? He has got to be crazy because he's way too old for me. Um, Mm. Now at that time, and still, he's 22 years older than me, um, which I have dated men who were that old than me and, and older. Um, I've dated a man who was 20, 25 years older than me. So to me, it, it's not that big of a deal. I've always dated older. Men are always at least like four to five, hopefully 10 years older than me because I have an old soul and I don't do a lot of bullshit. No, so um, the young guys, I really, um, very transparent and I, I can't entertain them as like partners usually. Um, and that's that's a huge generalization, but a lot of young guys that I came in contact with, especially being a theater artist, first of all, it's hard to find a straight um, young guy, and then a straight guy in general, and then he's usually younger. So, and they got a different priority, and I was looking to be booed up. So, you know, I was just like, well, he's nice, but that's not going to happen. Um, what changed, babe? What changed? Well, I just started spending. We 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 started spending a lot of time together because I was doing this lab, which is just like rehearsals every day for a month, um, from ten to six. Everybody who is not a theater person, and on my lunch breaks, I would just spend. I would just go to David's because I was on Forty Second, and he was on Fiftieth, and we would just walk to our meeting place, which is West End Grill, and we'd get salads and chat and laugh and. And then I go back to rehearsal, and I did that like every day. Well, you also came over to the apartment, which is right then there the were corner. days. Yes, yes, yes. And I came over to the apartment once, and because I, I had it a was long more break. Than once. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was more than once. Yeah. So yeah, that's how it began. Everybody online, sort of. We were we were hooked up because we were in theater together. We we were in this in this business together. Um. So yeah, he took me to the color purple. 
and we spent all our days together in January and then I broke up with the person I was kind of seeing um, who I also noticed you weren't spending any time with right, during your break right yeah and I thought oh that's interesting and in well, spite of I'm your not protestations spend, yeah but he worked during the day so he, I can't spend time with him on the breaks right um, so yeah I just uh, yeah and then that's how it happened and the thing is I'll say this I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and I have a great family. The, my family also, family puts their own expectations on you, and they put their, like, the ones that they have for themselves, they put on you, unfortunately. And that happens in every family. So because my mom and aunts, I have five aunts, grew up in a time where interracial dating was not really a thing, and my father actually left my mom and and married a white woman so it was always looked very down on uh dating outside of your race and it was like because of their own historical you know whatever had happened to them or because they felt a loyalty to my mom to like denounce this whole idea because of what happened with her and i felt that too i grew up with that and so I never really, even though I was surrounded by white people, and I and I and I found white guys to be really like, you know, some of them were really my closest friends because I was in private schools with predominantly white um, uh, schools and and institutions. So I I never really thought, oh, there I should date white guys. Like that wasn't a thing. It was like, I can go and I can have fun with them and whatever, but I, I can never date or marry one. So I was not open to that as recently as when we met, which was 2016. Um, and not to say that I hadn't dated white guys or slept with them. It just was not... Hello. Hey, yo, I'm an adult. Um, <laughs> it just wasn't something that I had looked like as if that could be a future of mine. Um, I had always envisioned myself with someone who was a, a black man because honestly, my family had said to me, we see you with a black man, you know? And I have also dated uh, a woman. So like, I've really, <clears throat> excuse me, run the gamut. And I just think it's about the person, the soul that you fall in love with, right? And I fell in love with David's soul. And then, you know how it is, ladies, when you fall in love with And then, they're like, not who you pictured for yourself, but then you start to just be like, oh, my God, I love them. And then they just seem so much more attractive. And he already was attractive. At the time, David was, like, <laughs> ridiculously thin, a little too thin. His head was very big. Um, we have enormous heads. We have that we in have common. huge heads. Physically, we have both enormous heads. It's little. It's better if we've got a little bit of meat, meat on, on our us. Meat on us. Yes, yeah, yes, yes, yes. To um, compensate for the enormous <laughs> size of our melons. Yeah. But <clears throat> oh my god. So yes, I, he was already attractive. Thanks, babe. But like, not who I pictured. I just didn't picture myself with an older gray Jewish man. That was not what I saw. My whole life. And that doesn't mean I'm racist or bigoted. It just meant that I had put limitations on, like, love for myself. And ladies, please don't do that. Also, men, anybody, don't do that. Well, I will tell you, the, here's the thing. The moments where I think, I know I fell in love. I was in love with you uh, to begin with. But where I really thought, oh, my God, if the, 
if this is not going to be uh, anything more than a friendship, I'm going to really have to, I'm going to have to really um, reconcile with this because th there were two moments. One we actually caught on video, which is when um, we sang a little bit of uh, Porgy and Bess into the phone. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one was when we sat down on my couch with the Bernstein's mask score. Mm, nerds. Got oh, I love nerds. that moment. And we just, it was like, we hadn't even really officially started dating yet. And I, we were just sitting there flipping through the Bernstein's mask, singing every page. Bernstein's mask is like a, this very epic kind of bizarre piece by Leonard Bernstein. Um, that's, it involves marching bands and this incredible choral music. And I had just done it the year before with the Philadelphia Orchestra. And he, it was your uh, yeah, thesis I, I, or something. I, 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 well, I was obsessed with this piece. It came out in 1971 when I was like nine years old. And I, I it just, it really shaped a lot of my aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And I bought the score and I studied it like ridiculously. And then I conducted bits of it in the performing arts high school I went to. And then in, at the conservatory. And so I was just you know, obsessed with, there's a couple of scores I'm just obsessed with. That one, Porgy and Bess, Sweeney Todd, The Most Happy Fella, like the, everything by Sondheim, just obsessively note by note. I could conduct a Sweeney Todd in college. And so we were, we were sitting there just going through it, singing it. And it was just like, I have found my soulmate. I, God, I just hope. Yeah. That... I mean, who does that? You guys, like on one of your dates, you just like <laughs> sit down and read a score together. A score is like the book of music and a really, and you just sing together. And it is an obscure, difficult piece. It's like... a very difficult piece, but it was fresh in my mind still pretty much. And it's always fresh in it. my mind. I can tell you exactly what's going on on every page of that score. Right. And, and so it was like really, I remember I went to my voice teacher and I said, um, I think I think I really found somebody because I was able to nerd out on the couch. And, nerded. you know, the score is long, so it took like an hour and a half oh, to easily. sing through. Easily. And he had a great voice, and mm. I was like, oh, wow, what's happening? Mm. So that's how we kind of... Yeah. It was, a, it was just a gradual thing that made so much sense, and it was very easy for us. Like, it's always... I, I'm not saying it's always easy. Our relationships are hard, but I will say if you have to work that hard, maybe like take a step back because our relationship is super, super healthy. We're very direct with each other usually. Um, when there's conflict, we actually shine because we, we get to work together to work through stuff. And it's like a dream relationship. And a lot of people, for me, and a lot of people don't get it when they see us together. They don't get it. They assume that he's my sugar daddy, which is hilarious. Huh. Um, Let me show you my bank account sometime. <laughs> so, but actually, I've met like kind of my equal. So that's ideal. Um, Thanks, babe. So that's us in a nutshell. I think so. I, I, I'm just say one more thing, which was just, and I alluded to it earlier. As a man in my 50s, I had absolutely let go of the idea that I needed any more female friends by the time I met Brianna. So that was not a thing that I entertained. I really was ready at that point in my life to be in a relationship with a woman and, and um, you know, and, and find my person. Mm -hmm. um, and when I found you, I knew you were my person. But I also knew 
you know, you were younger, you had these entanglements, I didn't know whether you really wanted to be with me, and I, I, I was, it, it was not, how you were going to interpret the evidence in front of us was not clear to me, and I had to ask myself, if all this ever is, if all this ever becomes is a friendship, am I gonna be okay with that? Or will I have to just walk away? Like if I am put, and I've been putting myself out there from the beginning, I'm, I want to be with you. Babe, um, put some anti-itch on your arm because I can't. He's sitting over here scratching this red old arm. <laughs> over here, babe. All right. This is what happens when white people go to the beach and don't wear any sunscreen a month ago. Do you know what makes a beautiful moment even more beautiful? <laughs> yes. An interruption <laughs> about itch cream. <laughs> so, um... I had to make the decision whether that would be okay. Would I be okay or would I have to walk away? And I said, you know what? She's so great and we have such an incredible connection that if all we ever are is friends, that's fine. I will have one more wonderful lifelong friend. And guess what? I have that anyway. <gasps> Yay! So that's yeah. my happy ending. Yeah! And also, guys, I'll just share this because it's cute. So because we, we, we love the mat, Bernstein's Mass and we love Porgy and Bess... And it's so, like, that piece is so, it's a huge part of my life doing it on Broadway. It's a huge part of his life. Um, so we we had it played at our wedding. Um, as we came down the aisle, we had a song mm. called A Simple Song played for the, for the walk down the aisle. And we had, uh, Is It Bessie Was My Woman, mm-hmm. played uh, while we did the signing of all the papers and things at our wedding. And it was really, really beautiful. Um, just shout out to Philip Dizak, who was our lone trumpet player, Brilliant. which you wouldn't know. I did in my heart, but it, it was incredible. Like hearing that trumpet ring out on a side of a cliff in Maine, like gorgeous. What was our recessional? It was. Um, it was. Hold up! It, I think it was from the mass. So Simple Song, no, we played Simple Song when we processed. Candide. Candide, my favorite song. It was song. Candide. Our favorite song. It was... Uh, Make Our Garden Grow. Incredible, incredible song. Yeah, we had a beautiful ceremony. Sorry, yeah, guys. that's good. There. So that's it. That's the story of us. If you ever need to reference that, come back to it. And that's that part. Babe. It's been 33 minutes. We have Actually, really 35. gone it. So we've got to do a speed round of This Week in Gaggery. So, babe, what's your This Week in Gaggery? Or should I go first? Oh, okay. Well, I just came up with this one right before. Okay, great. Go. Because um, <laughs> once again, I don't prepare for this podcast. No. And David kind of likes it that way. I do. So, my This Week in Gaggery is this week, Miss Mary Trump, honey. Okay. Bang, 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 bang. She came out shots <laughs> fired. Everybody, if you don't know... Mary is uh, Mr. Trump. Oh, I didn't say his name. You said his. You just said his no, name. No, I said Mr. Trump. Well, you can't say any. You can't use. Well, the I have tea. to say Mary Trump. Okay. Stop it, but David. Then you I said, already thought of this, and okay. it's going to be Mr. Oh, Trump. Oh, by the way, guys, we have a rule. It's the Holt forty-five rule, which is we are not <laughs> using the president's name. We can refer to him. I will be referring to him by Tweety Pig. As oh, much as possible. Oh, oh my God. But I will not actually deign to use his name because why? Um, so that's the Holt 45, H O L D T 45. That means we're holding back. Yes. But and we're not just holding put a back. T on the we're end. holding back. 
I knew that George Washington, that those were not wooden teeth. Okay? I knew that one. Mm-hmm. I okay. knew those teeth were the teeth of enslaved people. Oh, side note. Here's a thing, as a white person, I really kind of didn't learn until this past week. This is not This Week in Gaggery, but this is hopefully helpful. Um, that you ref- When you refer to enslaved people, that's... That is preferred to referring to people who were slaves as slaves. To call someone they were a slave means you are identifying them in a certain way that they did not choose, obviously, that was chosen for them. But enslaved people is honoring their, um, you know, their, their humanity. Um, and they were enslaved by others beyond their, um, beyond their choice or will. Um, which I think is a really important distinction, actually. Um, so let me go back. That's just, you know, for what that's worth. I didn't know, like, the real George Washington, Martha Washington story. Like, I didn't know. I knew, I think I must have known in the back of my head that they had slaves. But I didn't realize there was an article in the Washington Post, Michelle Norris, June 26, 2020, um, about Ona Judge, which is maybe a name I heard, but I didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't know that there was a thing called the... Oof, he got notes for days. I know, I really do. The grad, look, we only got 15 minutes left in this thing. The Gradual Abolition Act of, 18, of 1780, which meant that if you lived in a state more than six months with enslaved people, they could successfully petition for their freedom, which meant that George and Martha were constantly... Like leaving, like because they, they had to be in Philadelphia, so they took their slaves with them to Philadelphia for the, where the Congress was. But they had their slaves; they left back in Mount Vernon, but they took slaves with them. But if they were in Philadelphia for longer than six months, those slaves living with them were emancipated mm-hmm. by that by that act. And and so their lawyer came up and said, "Hey, George, guess what? Um, do you know that these slaves are, that are with you?" Uh, yeah, they're they're free to go, and you know how I know because my slaves are back home packing their shit. So George went, oh, fuck, I've got to keep the slaves. So Martha, you and I are going to cross the river to New Jersey for like a day so that then when we come back, we start the whole six-month cycle over again. Like that kind of, like that is taking the I never told a lie <laughs> cherry tree thing yeah. and really, you know, uh, knocking that one to the ground. So that was a gag. That was for me. This week. In Gaggery! Pew, pew, pew! And now it's time for... I should get for, that sound effect. You should. Oh, I looked up sound effects for like echo effects and uh-huh. pew, 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 pew. Very, pew, pew. very hard. Very, very hard. We will have to get... I don't know. You will have hard. to get into a studio and really have no, a technician. No, it's not that hard. No, 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 no. Every day at 7 o'clock, that, there's a man out in the apartment on 71st Street who puts his computer out the window, the speaker, and does that sound. So it's it's not hard to do. Do we have time for the call-out call-in this week? Uh, I don't have any call-outs call-in, but, I mean, I could call out someone. You can call me out. You can always call me out, babe. I you don't can have find anything something. to call you out on. Well, let's, let's start. Call-out. Call-in. Call-out. Hey, call-in. Hey, call-out. Call-in. Call-out. Call-in. Go ahead. Oh, uh, Okay. Um, oh, come yeah. I, I'm not gonna get. Uh, I'm not gonna get too political here. Um, 
here, here, I'm going to call myself out on this one. Uh-oh. Or maybe I'll call myself in. I'm going to call myself in on this one. Like, Dave, come here. Come here. Because you never thought about this until you read it somewhere this week. <laughs> so from 1989, when The Simpsons came out, you know, The Simpsons are yellow. Mm-hmm. Like, the emojis are yellow. Mm-hmm. And I always used yellow when I do my own emojis. Mm-hmm. But someone pointed out that, like, Apu and, like, the... The, the black work the black co-worker of, of of homers in the in the plant like they're like their skin tones are actually rendered as skin tones mm-hmm. um the asian characters are rendered slightly different yellows but the default is the simpsons yellow which is also the default emoji yellow and someone posted that you know that's that's sort of like all lives mattering animation because it's saying that the default is this other thing and everyone else is specified. And it made me rethink, like, should I be using skin tone when I, should I be like trying to match my skin tone? Like, cause now they have those when I do an emoji or should I just default to yellow? Because I realized the default to yellow is, is kind of in a way it's, it's um, you don't have that option if you want to, if you want to represent yourself. As, as a black woman. I mean, you do. You always have that option. But it's really not for people of color. It's really for white people to be able to say, you know, well, race doesn't matter. I don't think about race. But it's actually, um, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a reverse erasure in a way. Does that make sense? Um, you know what? It's a lot for me. Is I, it? First of all, I've never watched, to be really, really honest, I've maybe watched one episode of The Simpsons when I was like, a kid yeah so it's not something I follow um, but this conversation is a lot for me I, I the emojis on the phone coming in all the skin tones they're cool but I was never like oh I wish there was a black emoji like when the emojis came out and they were yellow I was like cool whatever we're just honestly we're just expressing like Emotions. Thumbs up, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel like I need a brown thumb to feel like I can really say, you know, express myself right. by text. Right. Um, so I, I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, God, I need that. Um, I never even thought about the fact that The Simpsons were yellow um, and that everyone else is specified. Um, are, so are The Simpsons white? Yeah. They're not white then. Well, they, I believe that they are meant to, you know, represent... Are they the, Asian? They're not Asian. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's clear. Okay. They No, they're meant to be white, the Simpsons. Okay. So, and, and so we're asking why aren't they colored white? Correct. When the Because other... they're a fucking... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, now we got to do a... No, a, just because they're... Parental a... advisory on this podcast. We already, I, I said big black dick last week. So, oh, yeah, you did. Now yeah. you said it again. So, so put a second one on. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, they're cartoons. I don't know. It's just, this is the thing. It's like, when do we, I'm not sensitive like that. So I'm just like, the Simpsons are the Simpsons. I don't even think of them as a race. I think of them as a yellow cartoon. Right. But I understand, like, why why are other people specified? I get that, but I don't know, like, that's that is on its face racist to mm-hmm. you know to uh, we're going to not single out for any sort of 
rep representation and illustration um, what what a white person looks like but we are going to do that when it comes to a black person uh -huh, an uh -huh. Indian person yeah 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 uh, you that... know a Chinese person, etc. But look, when The Simpsons came out, which was what the eighties, like people were not. No, they weren't. They were not woke. I, no, I can I can attest to that. And this is why you know because they've had issues with the voicing yeah, on these Apu. cartoons. Yeah, yeah like There's a whole movie about it. Which I yeah, I mean yeah. this is all an issue, and and it's sad that this is just now being thought of. Like, oh, we have this black character, maybe we should have a black person voice it. Uh, yeah, definitely, because that white person voicing it is in black voice which is just as bad as blackface. So it's uh, it's unfortunate that it took so long for these people to think about it. Um, but all we can do is what David always says, extend grace. So we're gonna extend grace. To the people of The Simpsons. From to the animators, to, to the, the creators. To the creators of the yellow emojis. <laughs> and that is call out. Call hey, call I'm going to leave you with a tweet this week from a great uh, television writer that I worked with uh, way, way, way back in the day at NBC um, when I was just an assistant there. His name is Javier Grigio, Mark's Watch. And... He wrote something about cancel culture this week on Twitter that I thought was worth leaving you with, and it is this. Like political correctness, cancel culture is a term deployed by those who have power and wealth to lose by being called out on their faults to frighten you into believing their loss is a loss for you too. It demonizes those who dare say you're wrong to someone who is. So when we're using cancel culture as a thing, I think that what we're saying is that is the domain of people in power to stop you from having it. Mm, okay. Think on it, people. Cancel culture. Is it real? Next week. And scene. The Swirl with Bree and Dave is hosted by Anchor, and you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We hope you'll subscribe, and if you want to tell us how we're doing, tactfully, leave us a rating or a review. If you'd like to follow us on social media, I'm Brianna Marie, and he's Dave Lyrics. It's good, so good, oh, since we're together. Our music is by Bo Black. Promotional consideration is by Epstein of Beverly Hills. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to having you back for the next episode. Taste the swirl, everybody! Bye!